Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Happy Sunday, everybody. Can we worship God? He has been faithful again this week. Amen? Can we give it up for the Lord? Just worship Him. That's, that's what Sunday's really all about. Uh, we want to celebrate God's goodness. He is gracious, and God is a much better Savior than we are at sinning, and will always outsave our sin. You can't outsin God's salvation. Amen? Man, that's why we gather every Sunday. So thank you. Thank you, worship team, for focusing us on the cross. And then, brother, thank you for using your violin to speak and remind us that God's eyes are on us. What a great Sunday. And as you give, I want to encourage you. I met last night with the director of development for the Evangelical Covenant Church. That's our denomination. And uh, in addition to the last 18 years where I've been your lead pastor, you've given over $50 million through PCC. In addition to that, you've given uh, over $3 million to our denomination that's gone around the world. And I was thinking about that this morning. Today, there are people literally on continents around the world worshiping like we are because of what Todd just said. You have been so, we have been so generous in giving, including an unreached people group. I don't know if you remember, about six years ago, we adopted the Taposa tribe, an unreached people group, and about four years ago, a thousand of them were baptized in Jesus' name. And so your giving is making a difference all over the world. Amen? Amen. All right. Yeah, we can clap for that too. That's, that's glory to God. It's amazing. It's amazing. I've always bragged about you that we have always played outside our weight class, and I love that. Um, so we're in this series uh, called Be the Bridge. It is a process that we're going through, and it's stretching us. I know it is. Uh, but without stretching, there's no growth. And I want to thank you and encourage you. We have two weeks left in this series. And this series applies to anything in any situation you want to bridge to. We're talking about a cultural conversation that's been around for about, really highlighted for a year around race. And we're trying to equip you with biblical tools to engage in the cultural conversation. Let me remind you where we've been. It starts with lament, looking at our world and saying, this is not the world God designed. This is the world sin has ruined. And that causes an ache for the people of God. And then you go to confession. That just means to agree with. God, we agree that this is not the world you've created. And we've played a part in that. And then you seek forgiveness. You work through shame and guilt and seek forgiveness where you need that. Uh, last week, uh, we talked about that. Today, we're going to talk about a great word, repentance. It gets a bad rap, but it's a fantastic word. Uh, change in mind that leads into change in attitude. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. And we have a guest speaker, uh, Brian Wren, our transitional lead pastor in a month, was um, saying, you've got to get Felicia here. I want to tell you about her. Uh, that's her mom clapping for her. I love it. Yes. Um, but Felicia's one of us. She was born in Redwood City. She's an alum of Sequoia High School. Any Sequoia alums in the house? Yeah, look at this, Felicia. You're amongst family here. She went to uh, Marin. I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, um, uh, Kenyatta. Thank you. Kenyatta College. 
and uh, on to seminary after going through San Francisco State. She uh, comes from San Jose. She's a consultant to lead pastors and to church planters. Uh, she is living this out. And so would you please give, I told her we are the friendliest church on the whole peninsula. Give a PCC welcome to Felicia Larson. You know, I should also say she's my new friend. She is just a wonderful person. Felicia, your family models really uh, what heaven's going to look like. Tell us about the, the family system because I love this. Yes. Well, first of all, like you said, my mom and my stepfather are here. I have been part of, for the last 30 years, a huge Irish Catholic family. And so that begins uh, my story I, after that, um, I married into a family that is Norwegian and German. My first, uh, my oldest stepsons are Polynesian and Irish. My daughter, who I gave birth to, is actually black and Mexican. And my granddaughter, born to an oldest son who's Irish, is actually Irish and Japanese. So my daughter-in-law is Japanese from Japan, has been in the States now about six years. And then I forgot to tell you about my godsons who are actually French and Indian, and they have um, passports actually in, on three continents. So well, and I just want to say, I want to come to the family potluck when you have them. Amen. It's fantastic. Um, hey, you, and what I appreciate about Felicia as a guest preacher, she's done her homework. She has been tracking with us the whole series. Um, speak to us as a body from your perspective, and, and let me just say, you consult a lot with mm -hmm. predominantly white churches yes. as well, so speak to us as a body, like what, what can you bring to us regarding this? Why yes. does this conversation matter? That's Absolutely. Um, as someone who's born and raised in California, we often tend to think that racism doesn't happen here. Um, because, you know, we're a multi-ethnic group. I mean, in my classroom as a child in Mountain View, I had people from Asia, and I had Native people in my class, and Chicano, and, and yet the truth of the matter is that what is overt potentially in the South and on the East Coast is covert here, and yet it's still very real. It's very felt, and especially for people of color, we are feelers, and so we can feel when someone doesn't particularly care for us to be in the space. We can tell by the way someone hands us back our money at the counter. We can tell by the way someone won't serve us or won't look at us when we walk into a space. And so it's for that reason that whether it's overt or covert, someone is being hurt. And that is what's important for us as the body of Christ is to be what God originally intended was through Abraham to bless many nations. And you all know nations means ethnicities, not just groups of people on continents. So um, I remember when our worship pastor, Ian, came and uh, I took him to a Super Bowl party. And uh, as we were driving away, it dawned on me, he was the only dark-skinned man in the room. And I said, Ian, how did that feel for you? And it was great, it was, it was all believers. But I remember him saying something to me. He said, you know, when I walk into a room, I'm used to white spaces. I scan the room and I can see who's not comfortable with me. Absolutely. And it just hurt me. Uh, speak to us. How, without saying a word, can we make all peoples, as followers of Christ, how, without saying a word, feel like we see you? I always say a smile is free. It, when I 
affects people, you know, whether even it's a homeless person, if I don't have money, I acknowledge them and say, hey, you know, I wish I had money with me today. I'm sorry I don't. I'll even ask, can I say a prayer? But my whole point is a smile is free. And even behind a mask, people can see if there's a little crinkle by your eyes, they know you're smiling. <laughs> so it's free. Just give a smile. And, and even just letting people know that you see them by if you're in line with someone and you genuinely aren't in a rush to let that person go ahead of you, especially to a person of color from a white person, that means a lot. Because we assume that you're going to take that space, that you're in a hurry or whatever. And so to be able to share your space and to use your power and privilege on behalf of someone else, even as simple as in a line, is really helpful. It's great. Speak as a mama. Why is this conversation important Oof. as a mom? As a mom. Well, you, you heard that, you know, my lovely group of <laughs> children. But more important than that is the church for my children for the church to look like heaven is going to look, and because what we consider a social gospel is actually them requesting of us to live what we've always taught them, which is to treat others the way we want to be treated. And so when my daughter looks at me and she says, do you care? about homeless people? Do you care about LGBTQ? Do you care about people of color who don't look like us, mom? That is important to me. When my granddaughter goes to school in the fall, it's important that people see her and treat her as a person because she just looks Asian. People won't know if she's Japanese or Chinese. And so for them, especially in the current climate that we're in, for people to treat her as a little girl who just doesn't want to like people, but love people. That's why it's important to me that my older children come back into the church and have a place to serve that meets the needs of the people in the city that we live in. That's important to me. Amen. It's good news that causes great joy, and it's for how many people, church? All, all people, people. All people. And if it's not good news for all people, it's not good news at all. Amen. Remember that, okay? So I think I've already got my application before you even preach. I'm going to smile at everybody I come across today. Remember, we're trying to equip you with biblical tools for a cultural conversation. We will stop at nothing short of sin to bring the gospel to as many people as we can. Amen. Let me pray for you, Felicia, and then let you go. Lord, thank you for our sister. Thank you for giving her voice at such a time as this. Thank you for the faithfulness she has uh, invested much to hone and steward the gifts that you've given her. You've given her a word for us, so guide us, Lord. Give us humble hearts to receive your word. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> Well, it is my joy to get to be with you, and every church I walk into, it is a joy because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I just want to speak this blessing over you that God has had me share over the last few months, that my prayer for us as we step into his word today is that he gives us ears to hear, that he removes blinders from our eyes, shackles from our minds, and that he gives us a heart of flesh for a heart of stone. I want to start by thanking Glenn who spoke last week because his words not only demonstrated forgiveness, 
but the process and the road of repentance. Glenn's willingness to re-engage in a community where he has felt hurt is, serves as a beautiful example and gives me hope, not only for PCC, but for Redwood City and this county and the city and the country, because it's a beautiful thing to watch someone choose forgiveness, to choose repentance. As you all have walked through this Be the Bridge series, which I've been told is a process, not a series, <laughs> um, words like reconciliation and repentance, confession, have been used. And as we talk about racial reconciliation, this is because this is a spiritual matter. Con- words like confession and rep- repentance, those are churchy words, but they're really God's words. They are about discipleship. God, he called a most disparate people. If you look at the disciples, none of them were anything alike. And he did that because what he was trying to do in that group was bring about a reconciliation that only his, his spirit and power could. So it's necessary for us, even if you don't have a black friend, you don't have a friend of color, whether or not people of color will come to PCC, this is still a necessary conversation because it is for the health of your very own soul. Confronting race and racism is part of our sanctification process, both vertical and horizontal. Our reconciliation depends on our acceptance to this invitation of rooting out racism in our daily life. How can I say that? Well, 1 John 4.20 tells me that if I say I love God and don't love my brother, clearly says I'm a liar. Can't argue with me. That's what scripture says. I'll let you read it. But there are people in the family of God that you may never meet, but that doesn't make them any less family to us. They may be on another continent. They may be in another church community and yet we are responsible to them all. Caring about what happens to them physically, emotionally, and systemically. And when there are systems that set themselves up against our brothers and sisters, it is a matter of sanctification that we all grow up into maturity and bring about change. The gospel is both word and deed, and what we say and how we live what we say matters. Growing up in my house, my mother had one saying that she said all the time, actions speak louder than words. And so I, I couldn't just say I liked something or believed in something or wanted something. I had to prove, step out and show and prove that I wanted it, not by what I said, but by what I did. With that, I want to take us to the book of 2 Corinthians, verse 7, verses 8 through 11. Our dear sister already read these verses, but I want you to hear them in a little bit more context, and then we're going to break it down a bit. Okay, so if you've got your Bible, please turn to it, 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 through 11. If you have your app on your phone, and it will also be on the screen. Let's read together. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow 
led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See that this godly sorrow has produced in you what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, and what readiness to see justice done. What I love about this is that Paul takes ownership for a letter that he sent to the Corinthians saying, I believe that I hurt you. I believe that something I said pushed on a nerve for you and it caused you some pain. But Paul stood strong in that because he was speaking against sin. And you can read it in the context in scripture, but the sin isn't what we're talking about today but it was important enough for him to send a very strongly worded letter to the people of Corinth. And I have to imagine that over the last six weeks, including today, that it has felt like some strong messages. Maybe your feelings have gotten hurt, maybe you've had felt uncomfortable and you've had to think about things you've said, things you've done, ways you've responded in the past. And I'm sure just like Paul said, your pastors and guest speakers would say, we're sorry to have caused you pain. And yet, we're encouraged that that discomfort has moved you in a direction toward change, toward repentance, toward new actions, even if you're just in the process of considering those new actions and how to walk across the street, how to change language, how to step out in new ways. We are thoroughly encouraged by the possibility of what God is going to do in and through your lives, through the messages that you've heard. And yet, actions speak louder than words. It's important to step out in those actions. As Paul said to the people, he took a strong stance, and now what he has seen is how the church at Corinth is responding and the changes they were making gave him confidence that God initiated the sorrow, not him. That, he was, that God was bringing about the changes that there would be no regret for. Guilt originally, and then their sincerity in dealing with that matter, to change as repentance is, to go the other direction, towards God. There is now no guilt and they have then proved their innocence. So as you look at the last part of that verse 11, it says that they were proved innocent. Not because what he said initially was a lie, but because in their earnestness, in their eagerness, in their longing, they showed that they were willing to change. Paul describes the Corinthians in these words, earnest, meaning no delay in doing what's best, eager, a desire to be justified, indignant. This word was mentioned last week, um, that to be appalled or to be horrified, to be alarmed, this emphatic contrast. They wanted to stand out against what they were being accused of. They no longer wanted to sit in that place, but to be in stark contrast to that. Concerned, meaning that they had excessive fervor, that they were dedicated to moving forward and they had a readiness to see justice done. 
They were ready to put into action seeking God's kingdom reign here on earth. So while Paul is addressing a specific circumstance in Corinth, we are borrowing these words because of the idea that there is a seriousness about sin, whether it's the same sin, but it's more specifically about the road of repentance. According to Paul in this passage, there are two roads to repentance. There is, should I say in our case, a bridge to repentance that the bridge initiated by God leads to flourishing within the body of Christ, and that is for all, whether it's local, national, or around the world. The bridge initiated by shame is one of self-loathing, and it's a dead end because it only focuses on me, myself, and what I did wrong. So what Paul is calling us to do is to allow the hurt and the discomfort that we may have felt in the process of conviction to move us toward repentance. And Gary's definition that he had just shared with us is that a change in mind leads to a change in action and attitude. Let me say that again. Repentance is a change in mind that leads to a change in action and attitude. We have talked about confession, we have talked about repentance. And as that was done in this series, we talked about them being both personal and communal. So there's something I personally have to do, but then there's also as a community, as a body of believers, something that we have to do. This reminds me of our Be the Bridge book. If you guys are in groups going through that, I just want to say how encouraged I am for the number of people who are engaging in this process. In chapter 7, you may have read this last week, um, that Latasha shared about a prayer of repentance from our dear brother, Daniel Hill, who's another covenant pastor and a good friend of mine. Um, In that communal prayer that she mentions, there is this prayer of repentance on behalf of the white population. And I mention this for a few reasons. One, because that prayer of repentance was offered because Daniel understands the history in this country and between black and white people specifically, but just people of color in general. And again, I say this is spiritual. It goes across racial lines with everyone. And so that prayer of repentance, that communal prayer has to do with the ability and understanding that we need to apologize to one another and then make steps to move in a different direction. Just as this series is bringing hope to PCC, the communal and personal repentance brings hope for a new direction in personal relationships and in our communities. Whether it's your neighbor, your coworker, a classmate, wherever that is, God is hoping to, through you personally and through you, PCC, as a community, to bring hope. Godly sorrow leaves no regret, the scripture tells us. And yet, that's most likely just in the spiritual realm. (laughs) Because there are some regrets, and if you read Daniel's story, you know he experienced some regrets. Simply being threatened by other people, that his stance was too strong, how dare you repent for us? But what is true is that what happens in the spiritual realm, seen in the physical realm, brings healing through works of righteousness and acts of justice, 
that we participate in. So God brings about conviction in our lives and in our community so that we can bring healing, so that we can step into the works of righteousness that he has for us and that we can bring justice so that as we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that requires something of us. God's will isn't just going to happen to us. We have to join him where he's working and help bring that about. And that change might be met with resistance from within and without. I don't know about you, but I don't particularly like change. So this last year, 2020, having to stay inside, although I am an introvert, but it, it was not so easy. As someone who has so few people on my dance card, so to speak, having fewer people was not so fun. I don't like change. It was met with resistance. It was, oh, to, every time I walked outside, put on a mask, okay, here we go, and it was just hot, and it was muggy, and I didn't like it, but here's the thing. It was necessary for the saving of lives. Just like when we are met with resistance internally about the conviction that God might be bringing, meet it with the same tenacity that we have met this pandemic with because we're fighting against a worse virus, the virus of racism. And so for that reason, we take it seriously and we take the necessary precautions because it's life-saving. Because God has put in us the message of reconciliation and if we don't open our mouths and live our lives in a way that draws people to us, then there's a lot of people friends, neighbors, family members who will be lost. And God does not want that for any of us. God is giving us the opportunity to get our house in order so that we can be an example for the surrounding community and the next generation. The process is what scripture calls discipline. Now I know in this generation, for the people sitting here, discipline is a word you know. It's something that your kids experience, whether it was through sitting down and talking with them, or it was a timeout, or it was corporal punishment, whatever it was, we did discipline. I know I was disciplined, and I appreciated it. And so we're going to take a look at Hebrews 12, because Scripture tells us that, that those who are disciplined come out on the other side better for it. Let's see what Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to start with verses 5 and 6, and then jump down to verses 11 through 13. So Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 6. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says... My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Verses 11 through 13. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. 
Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. God the Father in this passage is an acting discipline. And he says this is out of a care and a love for us. It is actually an encouragement because for those who are not being disciplined, they are not considered children. Discipline has a few meanings. We have training, instruction, punishment, and chastisement. Well, in this particular passage, this is strictly about punishment, unfortunately. The Greek word is padia, which means to impose painful consequences on someone as part of an improving process to improve character and actions. Well, Jesus tells his disciples in John 15, verses 14 through 15, that they are his friends. And that sounds so much more easier to handle than a father and discipline. And yet, Proverbs 27, 6 tells us that wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. Okay, here's what I want to tell you. I have friends that are nice, and I have friends that are kind. So this is kind of gets to the multiplying kisses. So the nice friend won't want to make me feel bad that I've got spinach on my teeth. But my kind friend will tell me, hey, you've got spinach on your teeth. I want to ask you guys to be the kind of friends that are willing to, not in a malicious way, but in a good way, be willing to wound a friend because it is necessary for our training and our growth in righteousness. And Jesus tells us that for his disciples, it is important for them to walk in love. We hear the word love and we think that's easy. We hear kindness and we think that's easy. But I will say to you what God is doing in his word through this process of sanctification as we talk about racial reconciliation is he's being kind. He's being a father offering us discipline, but in the kindest way possible. Kindness is when you go to your doctor and they tell you your true diagnosis so that you can determine what your next steps are, what the treatment will be, and how to move forward. It would not be kind for the doctor to not tell you what your diagnosis is and have you come in year after year for a physical and just say, you're doing great. And then you walk out, and when you come in with symptoms to tell you, well, you know, I just didn't want to tell you, but this is what's been going on the whole time. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be kind. That would be nice, but it wouldn't be kind. Kindness tells us what's really going on. And that's what I feel like has been happening for PCC over these last few weeks, is while it hasn't been nice, it has been kind. We are doing our best to name what the problem is and then help with steps to move forward. So then, at the end of Hebrews 12, 13, it says, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. This brings me to chapter 8, which is not my chapter for this week, but I read a little farther ahead, and I'm paraphrasing something that Latasha said. She says, repentance takes the form 
of turning and walking back toward God and those who have been oppressed. That is not in some sort of messianic way of me being the savior, but it is an opportunity to share about my savior. It's to be done in a posture of humility, willingness to learn and own the ways that we have been complicit in other people's oppression. Repentance admits that I'm part of the human race, of which scripture says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that no one is righteous, not even one. I have an option to live under guilt of being part of a fallen system, or I can accept the redemptive work of Jesus on my behalf and then get about living a redeemed life. Jesus has already died for everything we have ever done and will ever do. But that doesn't absolve us of our behaviors, our thoughts and attitudes and actions that we are responsible for. It does, however, free us to drop those things at the cross and follow Jesus in love, in grace, and truth. So as we consider how to live out this repentance in our everyday life, I just want to give you a few practical things that you can take with you other than a smile. So how to live out repentance in everyday life. I want to say something that Daniel Hill has said in his book, White Awake. He talks about interrogating the voices that inform us. How he starts to talk about this is by looking at the books on your shelf. Are there books on your shelf by indigenous people, black people, Latino people? That helps to round out the picture and story of history, of people that live in your community to help you understand who they are. A great book, actually, I was just taking a look at yesterday, I picked it up, is The History of Redwood City. Um, I used to work for the library, something I didn't tell Gary. My first job, actually, my mom got, um, helped me get that job. But I worked at the library, and I was actually part of the team in 1989 that moved it across the street to where now it's been for 30 years in the old firehouse. But Gene Beveridge, along with the team there, wrote a book about the history of Redwood City. And if you have not picked that up, you should. There's a lot of great information in there about the people who have lived here. And if you've lived here all the time, you still might learn something. It, was, it just was great to see how many people contributed to that. But interrogating the voices that inform us. Because who we're listening to, whether it's news, podcasts, the books we're reading, websites, social media platforms... If we don't have a variety of voices, we will be in what the young people call an echo chamber. We will just hear back what we already know, what we already think, and what we already feel. And it's important for us to have other voices in that space. Worship. Worship music doesn't only come from Hillsong. Nothing against them, and I know you guys know that because you sing beautiful hymns that I grew up with, and also, thank you for that song, by the way. So beautiful. One of my favorites, His Eyes on the Sparrow. But worship music from different genres is a great way to be um, informed. 
but do it out of a form of appreciation and not appropriation. That's important for us. Practice humble listening. Be willing to listen to people's stories. Practicing a courageous calling, calling people in for the same conversation that you're having here in church and remembering that the next generation is watching. So as I bring this to a close, I just want to say to you, as followers of Jesus, bridge building blueprints are outlined for us in the Sermon on the Mount, in John 17 where Jesus talks about unity, in 1 Corinthians 13 where Jesus talks where Paul talks about love. And all of that happens as we abide as Jesus called us to in John 15. Then we can carry the Great Commission. That's in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. I just want to say it's been a great pleasure to be with you today. Let me pray for us. (laughs) Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters here at PCC. Thank you for the honor to be with them today. I pray your blessing over the work that you are doing in and through them. And I pray that you continue to grow us all up into maturity so that we may reflect Jesus and his church here on earth. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.